I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Wind waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Dude, you and I both know how the Padres are. You and I both know they're going to go through this, and it's going to come out in probably October, November maybe, that he needs Tommy John. Mark the tape right now, dude. July 20th, 12.37 in the morning. (laughs) I'm saying it right now. By the end of the year, towards the end of the year, the latter portion of the year, there's going to be some sort of major surgery for Espinosa. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside... But once again, he was right, Eric LeBou. I was right. Can you say that one more time for the record, please? Yes, you were right. Yes, yes, And what yes. if I was right, what does that make you? That, wrong. That makes me not right. Absolutely wrong. <laughs> I told you. I told you, man. It's no secret that Espinosa was going to get Tommy John surgery. We no, all knew it. No, I was pretty sure it was a secret because they tried their damnedest. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the breaking news over the past week, uh, right around the trade deadline, I believe, if not a little bit uh, later or earlier, uh, Anderson Espinosa has to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, Padres Twitter was livid, particularly because they kept pushing him to pitch, and it seemed once he got on the mound to pitch, his elbow fell off. Maybe they were just, that's their way of celebrating the one-year anniversary of Preller trading damaged goods. (laughs) Yeah, just wait. Yeah, that's a great way to celebrate. Uh, But a big bummer because, you know, we're all excited about Espinosa, and I know uh, you have taken the... uh, you know, just kind of out of sight, out of mind approach, and hope he comes back strong and surprises us. But um, when he, when we got him, he shot up the uh, prospects list for the Padres, the number one prospect for them. And we're all excited about his stuff. Now he's going to miss not only this year because they waited for so long. He's not going to be back until this time next year, possibly throwing, not even a shot for instructs. And when he comes back, he's on an innings limit. Yep. So at, they're going to uh, be taking it really, really slow when he comes back. Yep, at 21. Yeah. Exactly. And let me let me do something here for you. I want to read off a couple things to you here. Hang on uh, just a second, okay? Did you hear that? Yes. Okay, let me read off something again. Ready? Did you hear that? Yes. I just read off Espinosa's stats from this year and next year. <laughs> you realize we're not going to hear from him at all yeah. until the very end of 2018. Yeah, that's a bummer. It's an absolute bummer, but... Oh, well, what can you do? At least we have Mikel Baez and other prospects who will not be named, which brings us to our new contest. Yeah, yeah. So here's what I wanted to do. So, man, we talk about Tatis every week. Tatis Jr. We both love Tatis Jr. It's no surprise. But I was thinking, no one wants to hear about Tatis every single week. Well, maybe you do. And if you do, that's great. We're the home for home for uh, Tatis updates. That's right. So what I was thinking, we have this brand new super recording device 5000 that's not going to skip so that beer uh that beer offer is pretty much off the table there because we're we're good but what i was thinking was with tatis so we will do it with the tatis there so if one of us slips up we're going to try to go the entire show without mentioning tatis eric is very much going to try to goad me into saying tatis jr yes so here's the thing if one of us slips up and mentions tatis jr at any point during the show past this then all you have to do is let us know the exact point in the show. If you can timestamp it, that'd be cool. Tweet at us. Put hashtag Tatis Eric or Tatis Dan and where we said it. 
1350 Venmo. That's a free beer at Petco Park. Now, it's only the first person. Now, if anybody else notices, we're not buying 30 beers. Yeah. <laughs> so just the first person to get it, assuming we say it at all. Yeah, and I'm going to get you I'm gonna get you to say it. Yeah, we'll see, buddy. Single dad over here is doing his damnedest. He's not going to try to say it past this. But yep. uh, I got overtime tomorrow just in case I got to pay for this beer. Yeah, we're about four and a half minutes in. So from this point on, no mention of Tatis whatsoever. Do you think you can do it? gonna be a fight but i think i can pull it off yeah so anyways um yeah back i've endured worse the last year (laughs) you want to go into that no 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 that'll be on the uh single dad podcast when i guest star on maury povich yeah yeah (laughs) i'll I'll look forward to that definitely see it now and uh here he comes he ruined his marriage (laughs) (laughs) yeah so going going kind of going back to the uh espinoza thing here so They, they they were saying, hey, you know, he's gonna come out and he's gonna start throwing bullpens. Like, hey, it's everything's good now. He's he's throwing pens and yeah, that's the part I don't really get because if the thing with the Padres is that once Colin Ray got hurt, they shut him down. Paddock was a prime example. As soon as Paddock got hurt, and that's what I was basing it off of. I figured maybe the guys on the major league team they don't they didn't want to say anything to you know not lessen their value, but for the minor league guys that they really have to rely on. You know, maybe they'll be more up front and just say to hell with it, get them the surgery. Because they did it with Paddock. I mean, it was immediate. Paddock got hurt, done, Tommy John, done. Um, and even with Colin Ray, you know, he wanted to do the platelets thing like I'd mentioned. But they're very quick to just move him into Tommy John. So I figured maybe that's what they'll do with uh, with Espinosa, assuming he's hurt. So I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because otherwise it doesn't make sense if you know that there's a risk that you don't just shut him down for the rest of the year and just do the surgery. It made no sense. That's why I'm, I'm really baffled as to why they've kept pushing him to do a bullpen. When he finally got to the bullpen, he blew his elbow out. I mean, he hadn't thrown all year, except spring training maybe a little bit. I trust the Padres medical staff on this one. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and trust their judgment. I did. I trusted their judgment because when Paddock got hurt, they shut him down immediately and got him the surgery. And Espinosa's a higher quality, uh, much more coveted prospect. That was their big move last year. I was stunned that they would they would risk injury to that extent and then blow two years of development. You mean the same organization that screwed up Tyson Ross for the entire last year? Yeah, but like I said... Oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, I think it's his shoulder. Oh, whoops, neck surgery. You mean that, that organization fucked up? Yeah. In diagnosing what was wrong with them? Yeah. And like I said, I, it's, I, I view the major league team differently. I feel like they're, they're willing to take certain risks on that. I felt like how they uh, used uh, Paddock and then how they handled Colin Ray's situation, that maybe with the younger guys that they need around uh, in the long term, that they'd be more uh, swift in terms of getting them treatment needed so they can get them healthy and back on the field. That's why I'm, I'm shocked that something – that a prospect they coveted so much and a guy that shot up to their number one prospect when they traded for him that they just didn't shut him down and get him the surgery sooner. It's just—it's odd to me that they pushed him and pushed him and pushed him and then when he finally got in the throwing program, they shut him down again, pushed him, pushed him, got him back in the throwing program, throws a bullpen, feels discomfort, and he's done. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and then also that the people are coming out and saying, hey, maybe he was hurt before he was traded to us. Let's not get into that malarkey. That's but- I know Ron Fowler insinuated that we got Anderson Espinosa last year, and he was supposedly healthy. He was fine last year. He just got hurt. That's all. It happens. He's a young arm. He throws hard. I don't think this is karma, and I don't think that the Red Sox gave us damaged goods. 
I mean, it is kind of ironic, though. It is. Yeah, it's ironic. With how much they were bitching about Pomeranz, Pomeranz well, never saw the DL, as far as I know. Yeah, Maybe I, he did. I don't think he saw the DL. I think he just complained of elbow discomfort, and he was taking a lot of aspirin. But Espinosa, I mean, he was rad at that Futures game. That's about all we have right now for the next two years. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, you know, it's funny, too, because last year when Paddock got her, people were like, oh, that's what the Padres get. They got the guy, and he blew his arm out. But it's like Padre fans weren't really complaining. I mean, sarcastically, they were complaining. But I'm not even complaining about Espinosa. I'm more upset that they waited so long to just get him treatment. Yeah, well, I'm not shocked whatsoever. I know as, you're not. As you know. Yes. Man, oh, dude, as soon as Dennis Lynn put that out on Twitter, we were both at work when that went down, and I swear. Oh, like, Eric came, you know, so we work in a call center environment. We're on the phones. We talk all day. And I'm sitting here trying to handle this uh, this account here, and Eric just comes rolling right on through with his phone. I told literally you. Literally rolling. I fucking told you. I told you. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm on the phone. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, as soon as I saw it. Actually, I walked up to him, and he was talking, and I muted his mic and said, I fucking told you. <laughs> so I told you. And I just put out the phone, and I just saw you just slump. Like, <laughs> yeah. Shoulders slumped over. You're like, oh, God. Because you knew that you'd hear from me here today. Yep. I think that you were more bummed about that than the actual surgery. For yeah, that was the first thing that came to my head. It was not so much the surgery. It was more like... Oh, boy, I'm going to have to hear it on the podcast. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, man, I sat there and said I trusted the medical staff. I said that he's fine. Instant buyer's regret. Yeah, I was going through and listening to that episode, trying to figure out where, like, what part of it I was going to use for the intro. And there was there was a point on there. I forgot exactly what it was you were saying. You're, you're like, oh, yeah, well, it's fine. At least he's not hurt. And I'm like, well, what the hell is it if he's not hurt? Yeah. He's not throwing. But anyways, I mean, he's like I said, out of sight, out of mind, and I gotta, I gotta admit, I mean, I, I got that, um, I got that thought process from Jagoff. He was the one that mentioned it. Like, hey, you know what? The best course of action for this guy is to just sit back, just forget he exists, and the next thing you know, after 2018 happens, he'll come back in 2019, and he'll be what 21 in Elsinore which is how old you want them to be in Elsinore. Yeah. And then he picks up from there, and you hope to be pleasantly surprised. Hopefully, yeah, because two years of development is a long time. I mean, you know, one year is a long time. Two is, you know, I mean, that that takes uh, – it's going to take a while for him to catch back up. Uh, but hopefully – I mean, he was an advanced prospect already, so hopefully once he gets healthy – We'll be pleasantly surprised when he gets to Elsinore and, and everything will go according to plan. Yeah, and in the meantime, you know, it, it is good to focus on the good news um, there with Chris Paddock coming back. So he is throwing bullpens right now on oh, the good. same note of Tommy John. So he's throwing bullpens. He got the Tommy John out of the way. He's he's back in less than a year then because he we when we got him at uh, we got him in like early July and he, I don't think he had. He blew out until after about a month in the system. Yeah, it seems like a quick turnaround for him for a starting pitcher, but he's he's back at it. He's throwing pens. He should be ready by what the fall instructs, whatever they got going on. More then. than likely, then, Arizona um, Fall League, which I actually kind of want to make a trip to, so maybe we'll make a thing out of that. Yeah, I'd be down for that. 5.5 trip. That's in, right. Invite our five listeners. <laughs> yes. You pay for your own trip. Yep. You can't come if you uh, can't drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we got Paddock coming back, so that's exciting. I'm hoping he'll be full speed by spring training, even though, same with Espinosa, he's going to have an innings limit. So, I mean, kind of space him out here and there. But it would have been perfect if he was coming back this year because Elsinore has like a 25-man rotation. <laughs> so that he would have been perfect this year. But 
Um, yeah, they'll, they'll space him out next year and see. But in the meantime, you have him. You have Gore, who's thrown very well in oh. the Arizona League. Oh, of course he is. Like, very, very well. I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but I guess there's, like, what, three runners that have got on base against him and two of them were picked off? Yeah. Yeah, wow. he's been he's been very, very good. He's been as advertised. Uh, and, uh, like, he's, I mean, any, anything you read on him, polished arm. He's, he's almost a co- collegiate-level pitcher coming out of high school. I think he's going to move. Uh, really, really fast. I'm really excited about Gordon and seeing when he can get up here. Yeah, and then Morahone, uh, we should touch on that also. He just got promoted from short season Tri-City to Fort Wayne. Finally. Yeah. It took he, them so long. Yeah, and he had a decent outing, his first outing there in Fort Wayne. So he joins, uh, and by the way, it's pronounced Michelle. So oh. I don't know how I feel about Baez after this revelation. He's just like the big guy in uh, Dodgeball, his <laughs> consigliere. Yeah, his name is Michelle. Yes. Michelle Baez. He, his name could be Susan for all I care. He throws that hard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So he Daisy threw, Baez. Yeah, so he threw six and two-thirds the other day. 14 strikeouts. They got to move this guy up, for God's sakes. It's move, absurd. Move him up. Um, Padres Twitter also uh, noting uh, Eric uh, Loggenhagen's uh, longhand boner on uh, Michelle Baez um, because he's been on him since the start. And uh, do you know what other prospect he was on from the start, Eric? Who's that? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Uh, I, I don't know who you're talking I don't know about. either. Uh, but uh, he essentially said he's just carving guys up by just throwing the ball by him. He does have a good breaking ball. does well repeating his delivery because he's a big, big talk kid. Uh, but you also have to remember he is 21 in low A. Yeah. So, so I, I do think at some point here they got to push him up into single A Elsinore. What do you think? Curb expectations a little bit on him? Yes. Are we getting too excited about Michelle? <laughs> well, it's been a long time, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, I do think we can be kind of, you know, too high of expectations because he is 21 in low A. Um, then again, the Fort Wayne team's packed with 18-year-olds. So, yeah. But maybe we are getting a little too ahead of ourselves because as he advances levels, he can't just rely on the fastball to blow by guys because once he starts getting up there and he, you know, pitches against the collegiate kids who have, you know, seen elite velocity, that might change a little. But as long as he hits his spots, he's not walking anybody. And, you know, he does have a solid breaking ball. He keeps developing that. He'll be fine. I do think it's good for prospects to kind of hit a wall a little bit so that they can work on certain things to continue to develop. How many guys are throwing 98 in college, though? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, also, I, when, was the last, when was the last time that uh, Baez threw, like, in, in games before this year? I don't know. That's a good question. I have no idea. I'd have to look that up on Baseball Reference. My phone's dying, and I'm not going to get all stat-heavy today. Yeah, so it's it's been a while, um, it's, as far as I know, because, you know, the Onyas of the world, um, he hadn't seen live game action in a while, yeah. so I'm assuming that Baez would be the same. Yeah, I would assume Morahone's the same, too, because they have to come over here and at least establish residency. I think it's for, like, six months, or sometimes it could be a year. So, yeah, you're, you're probably right, but he's impressive nonetheless. So not, Oh, not, yeah. I mean, but I do think we should kind of curb expectations a little bit because he's just gassing these guys. He's not, he's he's just throwing it by them. So we'll see how he does when he actually has to, you know, pitch uh, as he gets a little higher up in the uh, system. You know, there's there's guys who have moved up through the system, the Quantrills of the world, Lauer. Um, he threw, I believe, Fat Josh Naylor. Yeah, fat. No, I'm talking pitching wise. Oh, uh, but yes, Fat Josh Naylor. Um, Lauer, I think through yesterday, he walked five guys. Good grief. Which is kind of weird. Uh, Marcus from Padres Prospectus was at the game, and he said he was getting squeezed a little bit. Um, but that's not like Lauer to walk five guys. I Anytime that happens, it could be a couple of things. You could have just had a bad outing, or it might be one of those things where 
Lara's pretty polished already. He'll probably be up next year, I would imagine, 2019 for sure. Right. Maybe they just had him throw a couple of secondary pitches or trying to work on something where, you know, he's just getting work in. It's not so much – he's competitive, but he's trying to focus on maybe I'm trying to hit the outside corner or throw, you know, my – fastball to the you know glove side or things like that where it's not just going out there and pitching you're also trying to work on stuff it's like pitching and practicing at the same time but in a live game yeah so I guess I guess what I wanted to ask you is you know the prospects who we have are moving through the system the pitching prospects obviously the uh, again Lucchese he's been he's been holding his own he hasn't been dominating like he did in the Cal League um, I think that his and this was kind of like I was uh, talking with our boy uh, Drunk Flannery about this <laughs> when we went to go watch him. His stuff isn't isn't that great. He relies a lot on deception. So we always knew that. I mean, that's after watching him, his stuff isn't going to get him that far. His deception is, and it seems like in Double A, that's not really going that great for him. Yeah, we well, got to think Double A at that point. You have guys who are in their you know twenty two, twenty three, sometimes their mid twenties. A lot of them were already, you know, collegiate level guys that maybe stuck around for a year in single A. And to Lucchese's credit, yeah, he pitched well in college. Obviously, he's now a professional ball player. But, you know, when you graduate from college to major leagues, you're getting all the best collegiate and high school players are now going into the professional leagues. Now, now, now those, those guys are in the minors trying to move through the system. So it kind of thins out that sample size of, oh, I can face some of these teams that don't have good hitters and whatnot. And, so I think that's what's going on with him. I do think he's probably going to be a reliever long point, Lucchese, just because I don't think he has the stuff to start. And that herky-jerky windup is probably not going to get him very far. But I think he'll get to the big leagues and get a chance. I, I keep starting him until he shows you he's not a starter anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's isn't that what all relievers at some point do? Not necessarily. Guys like uh, the White Sox, uh, Carson Fulmer, that guy was a reliever right out of the chute. Yeah. Some guys you can just tell by, the, by their mechanics and by their – you know, by the stuff that they have, they only have like one or two pitches that they're relievers. So, um, but I, I think Lucchese, you can let him start for a little bit. And he's left-handed. I mean, if you're left-handed, we've seen guys like Eric Stoltz smoke and mirrors his way uh, through a couple of years of being mediocre. So he'll he'll get every opportunity. But I, I do think he'll contribute at some level. That's uh, a blast from the past, Eric Stoltz. Eric, good old Eric Stoltz, Bud Black's favorite pitcher. Yeah. So here's a question, and this this may be a bit premature. And if you ask my fiance, I'm a premature kind of guy, but. <laughs> So if you look at the rotation, let's we'll say 2020, and this is God, it's so far away. So I'm, dude, I'm getting married in two months, and it feels like it's a lifetime away. So yeah. I'm gonna bring up a question about 2020. My marriage feels a lifetime away. <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you, like 20, let's we'll say 2020, maybe sure. 2021. What does the rotation look like at that point? I think the rotation you have Quantrill at the top. Um, I do think that in some way, shape, or form, Perdomo will be there, Lauer will be there. I think those three guys, I would bank on them. Um, Really, Perdomo and Lauer? I would bank on those guys being here in 2020. Yeah, Perdomo. I'm just I'm surprised that you mentioned them first. After well, like I'm not I'm not going in order like you know this is my one two three. I just think those three guys will be in the rotation. They'll probably have some fifth starter or something, and then well, no shit, guy. Well, I'm, I'm asking you like, to list I, them I meant, off. I meant like a journeyman guy, like a, some random guy that that they'll sign that we have no idea is coming. Okay, I'll give you an example here of what I'm looking for. I know what you're looking for. Ace Mackenzie Gore. Uh-huh. Gore's going to be their ace. 2020, I feel like he'll be the top of the rotation guy. Espinosa, I'm not even going to worry about Espinosa. Out of sight, out of mind. I think it's going to go from, I mean, at this point, because things can always change with prospects. You never know who's going to wash out. Yeah, we might trade Mackenzie Gore for Justin Upton again. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. 
So I think I think Mackenzie Gore is going to be at the top of the rotation shortly after him in no in no particular order. Morahone, I think he's going to be up here by that time. Baez, I think he'll be up there by that time. And then I don't know after that. Is it Thompson? Is it Quantrill? I'm, I, I, I think, think Quantrill. Quantrill yeah. yeah, Quantrill will probably be. A, he's got an ETA I think on the MLB pipeline of 2018 or 2019. I mean, he's really really close. I think we're kind of hesitant because of the Tommy John surgery, but he's full speed. I don't even think he's on an innings limit right now, as far as we know. Well, he's probably on some sort of innings limit. We just don't know, know. Knowing how the Padres are, he's on some sort of innings yeah, limit. Yeah, 180. Yeah, and by the way, I, I really hope they do that Futures, the Prospects game Oh, again. I do too. Oh, I do too, because I want to try to go this year. It was it was so awesome, dude. It was so awesome. But So anyways, yeah, that's kind of what I was looking for, but I'll answer my own question for Oh, I'm for sorry. Everyone. I'm sorry. I didn't even think about Gore because he's so young. It's just weird to think, oh, here's this 20-year-old kid. He's well, your staff face. Yeah. I mean, hey, he's going to be 20. If he's, if he's doing as well as he's doing now, uh, triple S, small sample size, but... There's no reason to say, hey, you need to spend an entire year at Fort Wayne, an entire year at Elsinore, move his ass up. I don't think they're going to do that anyways because they've been really aggressive. I, I think they're they're holding off on Baez because they've already moved him up one level. Maybe just let him dominate and there's no rush. But I don't think they're going to be that, you know. I'm trying to think of a team that the Mets. The Mets wait forever to bring up. They've had this kid, Ahmed Rosario, they just called up. Finally called him up. <laughs> yeah, this guy's been ready for like a year. I don't know what the hell they've been doing, but they finally brought him up. I don't think Preller's going to be that kind of guy. My prime example for that, and they'll probably prove me wrong on this again, because every time I use a prospect for an example, they you know, have a blow up in my face. But Manny Margot, they could have held him down until May uh, and had Jankowski or whoever play center to get an extra year of control out of Margot, but they brought him up on opening day. Yeah, well, then Jankowski's foot got amputated. Yes. And Dickerson became paralyzed. Yes. And they had other other plans at that point. Yeah, but they could have brought up Perella to play center or whatever. Cordoba can play center. So, I mean, I, I do think Perella's going to be Cordero. Cordero. Yeah, you uh, said Cordoba. Yeah. You can put Cordoba out in center? He's been in center this year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, a couple of times. I'm just saying you could throw anybody out there, but. Shows how much I pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I don't watch the games either. I just happen to have seen it. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, let, let me throw this out there. So I went to the game last. I believe it was on Thursday. How I went, much you pay to go to that game? Zero. I've, I'm, Eric hasn't paid. Eric's paid more money to Lake Elsinore than he has to the Padres. He spent more on gas driving to Lake Elsinore than on Padre games. Yeah, I, I believe I'm uh, up. The tally's up to I think ten games now that I've gone to. For, and guys, and here's the thing: like this on Thursday, it's just my my cousin's wife knew that I'm a huge Padre fan. She's like, hey, we have tickets we're not huge, using. Huge, huge, huge Padre fan. <laughs> huge. Thanks. So she's like, hey, we have tickets we're not using. Do you want to use them? Like, they're yours. And I'm like, cool, great. So it's my, I think I'm up to 10 games now that I haven't even paid for. I haven't been to a game since like 2014. <laughs> yeah, so what I did, man, these were awesome seats. They were badass. They are Toyota Terrace section 203, like second row, like right underneath the press box. And you know me, I love to stir shit up. I know you do. So I walked right past the press box and I took a, a picture on my phone and I put it out on Twitter and I said, hey, thanks. I said, uh, what did I say? Something like, oh man, press pass, my first press pass game, badass view from the press box. And <laughs> Who bit? 
Dude, there's a couple. I'm not. I'm not gonna say their names because I don't know if they don't want me to. But there's a from two different Padre podcasts. They they hop. They slid in my DMs and they're like, "Hey, bro, how'd you get up there?" <laughs> they slid in my DMs. <laughs> oh man, I'm just thinking of this. And, yeah, oh, it's awful. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, how'd you get up there?" I'm like, "I'm I'm not really up here. I just took a picture." You know, I love. Do I love trolling? I love I love stirring shit up. And I knew people were gonna bite, and I couldn't be happier that a couple of them did. I would love to to get an opportunity to get into the press box. Don't then the Padres used to do something where they would let like the bloggers and stuff take over they'd have like Padres media night or something I think that was Fox Sports San Diego which is a little bit different I guess kind of but I mean kind of the same that's unfortunately that's uh that's before our time that's uh as you'd say BC uh, but uh, but yeah I mean it's it's funny how people would see that and they're like hey oh my god how'd you get in there (laughs) secret secret here just between you and I Danny and I couldn't even get a press pass at Elsinore if we wanted one. I'm yeah. sure they would just yeah, tell they, us they to fuck know right who off. We are. I, I, what, who was I telling Much you? Much less at Petco. Who with, was with I telling free you? hot dogs, free nachos. They're not letting us yeah. anywhere near there. Who was I telling you I was going to go up to an interview? Clayton Richard. <laughs> yeah, that's who it was. I said that I think on the last episode, go up to Clayton Richard. Hey, Danny Ortiz, 5.5 podcast. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get out of here, son. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't care less. Yeah. So yeah, mad because I can hit that sinker. Yeah, so I I thought that was kind of funny. I didn't mean to get sidetracked, but you know, okay. <laughs> something to get us back on track. I was kind of talking about 2020, and and a lot of people here. Um, we'll tie this into the deadline. After Brad Hand was not dealt, flop, epic shocks, fail, shocks, terrible. Me. After he wasn't dealt, a lot of people were saying, oh, hey, maybe let's sign him to an extension. Why? Would you extend Brad Hand? Absolutely not. I would not extend Brad Hand. They extended Houston Street on a mediocre team for nothing. Listen, I understand that Padre fans get really upset that they feel like the Padres are a feeder team for the major leagues. I'll tell you a little secret, fans who don't live outside of the Padre box. Every losing team that wants to build their system is a feeder team to the winning teams. That's how it works. The White Sox are a perfect example. I was just going to mention the White Sox. They did it right. They didn't get great players in every single deal. Even the Yankees deal, they gave up a lot. And they got some top prospects from the Yankees, but not their best prospects. Uh, Even the A's, what they got back is a good haul, but not the best haul. But they understood that those moves going forward are going to have a better impact and give their teams a better chance than holding on to those players in the short term. Signing Brad Hand is a dumb idea. He's a relief pitcher. He's had a good, what, calendar year? Because a year ago, nobody cared about Brad Hand. Nobody. He was a scrappy pickup sometime in April and May. They started using him periodically as a long reliever, and he just happened to start dominating. Great, he's been wonderful. He's been very valuable. But to say we should keep him, like we should build around him, absolutely not. He's not... You don't build around relievers. That'd be like me telling you, let's build this team around Trevor Hoffman instead of Tony Gwynn. Yeah. You can't build it. You know, Brad Hand's job is to come in and hold the lead or close the game out. You have to score runs and you have to play defense to do that. That's what you build your team around. Not a relief pitcher who is just some scrap he pickup who you should have traded. I mean, that's the biggest fail so far. And again, at the deadline for Preller, two of the three years he's been here, is that he has failed to cash in at a player's peak value. So let's talk a little about that because I think everyone was <laughs> – I feel like everyone was waiting for me to just fly off the cuff. They were waiting for a hand trade because they wanted to see my overreaction. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone was waiting for that. Because you're so underwhelmed, you had an underreaction. So here's here's my thing is when, when we were talking about it, you and I – and 
we were kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. Like you were pissed that he didn't get traded. Yeah, I you was even, curious. You even said last week or two weeks ago, AJ Preller should be fired if he doesn't trade. I know you were being facetious. Yes, but just kidding, of course. But you were you were over there. You're like, oh, that's that's horseshit. Like, why didn't they cash in? I'm take what you can get. And for me, I'm like, hey, you have you have more control for him. Hang on to him. If they're if they aren't meeting the asking price, then fuck off. You know, let him close the rest of the game, his or the rest of the year, his value goes up, and you get more for him at the See, and, in the offseason. And there's my argument. I think teams are smarter now to know that saves are is an arbitrary number and a made up stat that doesn't exactly tell you how valuable a pitcher is. Brad Hand's gonna be valuable whether he's racking up, you know, useless saves or not on a losing team. It's that when a when a relief pitcher, you've had the guy for a year. We talked about this off air with Andrew Miller, he pitched well for the Orioles when they put him into that role. Then they traded him for Boston, or no, he pitched well for Boston, excuse me, when they put him in that role. Baltimore traded a pretty solid prospect, and I believe Eduardo Rodriguez, to get him as that high leverage reliever. Great. He then signs with the Yankees. The Yankees get a huge haul for him after about a year and a half or so, but to that point, Miller had already had two, three years of just being absolutely elite and just seemingly got better. Brad Hand has had one year and a half seasons, if that. Like, nobody really noticed Brad Hand until the second half of last year. And even then, going into this year, it was kind of like, hey, he was really good last year. Let's see if he holds up. He did hold up. But his value is not going to get any higher because he's closing games out on a losing team or because he's racking up saves. His value right now was, here's a reliever you're going to have for two and a half years. He's in his peak. He's in his prime. He can help your team now. So... You trade him now for the best package you can get. I think when. But pe- what if the best package was not really much of anything? I don't think that's the case because I look at what the Cubs gave up for Justin Wilson. I mean, they got Alex Avila as well as you know as a, a half season. Yeah, a half season. But still, that's the thing is that I think what Preller was holding out for, and and now that I look back and say it when I was talking about it, like yeah, hopefully they get a, a top fifty prospect or a top one hundred. It's kind of ridiculous to think that they could, I mean, they'd have to get at the back end of the top 100 to, to pull that off. But the reality is teams are smart. You know, they're not going to give up that much when, number one, the market was very much a buyer's market. There was a lot of options out there for relief. The White Sox traded everybody. Uh, the, you know, the, the Tigers had, you know, pitching. The A's had pitching. So there was a lot of pieces that were moving that watered down the market. I know people say, oh, well, you have to hold out for what you value your player at. It's like, well, no, because you don't get to determine the value. The market determines the value. So I do think that Preller whiffed because now if he goes into the offseason to try to trade Brad Hand, he's got half a season less of control. Now you risk injury. Now you risk uh, you know, him declining. Maybe he gets overused. You you missed out on the best opportunity you had to cash in and get the best prospects that you could. Well, here's, here's a point um, that was made, I believe – I saw it on Twitter. I'm pretty sure it was um, Padres Twitter villain Mickey Coke who said that really the only chance that Brad Hand, if they're using him as a closer, has to ruin his trade value is if the Padres have the lead. And let's be real, how how often is that going to happen? I guess I could see that. Not but often. No, but still. I mean, how many years do the Padres have, you know, 30 or 40, you know, saved closers or closers getting 30 to 40 saves when Heath Bell was here and they were awful? You know, the fact of the matter is the Padres, number one right now, they're they're not embracing the tank. And number two is that even if they have 50 games left, they're probably going to win 20 of those. That's still, what, 10, 15 saves that Han's going to get? 
the idea that you know he's going to build value because you kept him and then can trade him in the offseason to me is false. In the offseason, a team doesn't have to take on salary and trade prospects and weaken the you know the, the, its organization by getting a player. They can just go buy a player off a of free agency, or they can pick up a guy off a of scrap people like the Padres did and hope he pans out. I do think that you trade a guy like that as soon as you can once his value is peaking and that the Padres missed the boat and that they're probably not going to get as good of a package as they were uh, had they traded him recently. Yeah, but what if he dominates? What if he keeps up what he's doing? He was, what, uh, reliever of the month in July? What, what if he keeps that up for the rest of the season? His value is even higher than before. Not necessarily because now a team has to, number one, it's, it's less control, but you still have a lot of control. You have two years of control, but number one, number two, every team is in it in the offseason. Every team is going most teams are going to try to get better. There's only a couple of teams that are tanking right now and absolutely trying to tank. It's the Padres, the Braves, and the White Sox, and arguably the Phillies. And even then, I think the Phillies thought they were going to be a little bit better, and so did the Braves. Giants aren't trying to tank, but hey, it's happening. Well, no, but they're a team that's going to go out and try <laughs> yeah. to get better. But if I'm an organization, I'm thinking, okay, do I want to take on this salary where I'm going to have to play, not pay surplus value, where I'm going to have to pay this guy, plus you know, send away some prospects I really like, when I can just go out and get a free agent? No, I'm not going to do that. And most teams won't. I know people have pointed out, oh, well, the Craig Kimbrell trade worked out. As if anybody's ever looked up Craig Kimbrell's numbers and compared him to other relievers, He's Hall of Fame caliber right now. Yeah. I mean, he's almost every bit as good, and it's probably going to be uh, – I can hear I can hear Woods coming through the microphone now. <laughs> but if you look up his numbers, he is right up there in terms of run prevention, dominance. I think he's got a much better strikeout rate. He's up there Say with it. Rivera. Yep. I mean, he's right up. It's it's obscene how good Kimbrell really is. It's sad that when he came to the Padres, that was the one year he wasn't as good. But yeah. when you look at those numbers, I mean, he is an elite, once-in-a-lifetime uh, reliever, maybe even better than I would take him over Chapman. So he's different, and he's also cost-controlled for three years. And you had a team that really wanted to make an impact, a, a GM coming in in Dombrowski, who really wanted to try to remold this team into a winner. I don't Don, Bra- Don Browski's known for, hey, take whatever you want when it comes to the farm. Yeah, he is. I mean, to a certain degree. To a certain degree. You know, the Chris Sale trade is a good trade. The, the, the Kimbrell trade for what he wanted to do with it and what they have now, it's a good trade. But that's what you're supposed to do. You, you trade the spare parts you don't need um, that you have a surplus for to get what you do need. That's fine. So he's not making awful trades, and he's not killing his franchise. But, you know, with Brad Hand, he's not – Craig Kimbrell, he doesn't have three, four, five years of just absolute Hall of Fame caliber dominance. He's got a calendar year of really, really good, right up there with Andrew Miller type of dominance, but that's it. I don't see a team giving in and saying, yeah, we're going to trade you our top, you know, two of our top 10 prospects for this guy. I think Preller probably had a couple of offers where he had some guys who had some high ceilings, or excuse me, high floors who were probably major league or close to major league ready that he could have gotten through the system in a year or two um, and maybe a throw-in lottery ticket. I think he could have gotten that, but he didn't want to settle for that. He wanted to pull what he pulled last year where he got a first-round pick for uh, Andrew Kashner, who stunk, and then he got Paddock for Rodney. I think that he was looking. that's what he was looking for, but last year the market was different. The la- last year the market was a seller's market because there wasn't a lot of available pieces. This year was just too much watered down, and I think he missed the boat. I don't think that whatever they get back for hand is going to be as valuable as what they were offered. I do think it's another Justin Upton situation where they missed the boat. That's that's where I'll agree with you. Is, is I've seen that take a lot on Twitter. Hey, what about the Craig Kimbrell trade? They're completely different pitchers. Like you said, I mean, Kimbrell, he's, he's, 
He's on a pace, Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, more he's, than likely. He's, he's right now, if he keeps this up, he's got another five, six good years in him like this. He is a Hall of Famer. He's just absolutely dominant. Hey, who plays short for Fort Wayne? I don't know. Oh, never mind. I don't know who that is. Yeah, so, I mean, Brad Hand, he, he is a nice piece. He is performing well, and this is what I told you before we started the show. At the end of the day, he's Brad Hand. Yeah. He's Brad Hand. He's like, Mr. Manila. Yeah, let's let's not act, let's not sit here and act like he is Chapman, or he is he's Andrew not even Miller, because he's not. No, he's, he's not. He's, he's Brad Hand. Yeah, and, and we're not trying to take anything away from him. He's been absolutely He's excellent. been borderline elite, but yeah. then today... It's Brad Hand. Yeah, and and teams know like, oh, this guy was a, you know, he doesn't have the track record like a Miller had or like a Chapman had. You know, I obviously we we're goofing around with the you know whole Glaber Torres idea, but I think fans took that to heart. I think they saw like, well, look what Andrew Miller got, look what Chapman got. It's like he's not that guy. He's yeah. not. He's not viewed as that guy. It's kind of like there's there are people arguing uh, when Ian Kennedy and Jeff Samarja were in the same free agent market, and I said, yeah, if you look at their numbers objectively. Samarja is slightly better since he became a starter, but overall they're probably about even. And people were saying, well, Kennedy should be because he's better. It's like, well, he's not going to be because the perception is Samarja is, for whatever reason, viewed as like a top of the rotation starter, and Kennedy wasn't. Kennedy's been better. Samarja's been awful. But perception does play a key, and people do see that. They don't perceive Brad Hand as this elite reliever. They see him as, hey, this guy's a really good reliever. He could really help our team. We'll give up something that kind of hurts to give up, but we're not going to give up our top ten prospects. We're not giving up Rafael Devers or you know any anybody like that. Right, and and for full transparency here, people who have just uh, joined us here the last handful of episodes. I, I think we're about twenty something episodes in. Twenty five, right? I think, is where we're at. Yeah, and Lost so count. yeah, just a few months ago, I started actually paying to put these things out, which is kind of funny. But believe <laughs> me, the money that's coming in definitely offsets it. Um, so Speak pay- for yourself, pal. <laughs> so paying to put these things out so we can actually go back in the archives a little bit. Man, when we first started, and there's like maybe five people who have been listening since we started these, I hated Brad Hand. I would hate on Brad Hand every time you mentioned him. Yep. Every time you mentioned him because he is just... I was the only one looking for the hand job. I was trying to tell Eric, hey, he strikes guys out. <laughs> Dude, I was so bored watching him pitch. I mean, yeah, the results were there, but just vanilla as fuck. So every time he would take them out, I'm like, oh, God, here comes Brad Hand. <laughs> but now I'm like, hell yeah, here comes Brad Hand. Yeah, you know he's going to shut that shit down. That's why. He gets into jams and he gets himself out of it. It's amazing. But, again, they should have traded him. They should have traded him. I you know, people. I, look, I would agree, but at the end of the day, we don't know what was offered. We don't, but if you look around what other teams were getting for relievers, you know there was some quality packages out there that were offered. I think Preller was shooting for the stars and refused to come down. And I get it. Yeah, you don't want to settle, per se. But this is the same guy that wouldn't settle getting Michael Fulmer, who's arguably the best pitcher on the Tigers, yeah. for two month, two and a half months of Justin Upton. That's that's where I have hesitancy with Preller, is that sometimes I think he might overvalue his players or maybe overvalue what he could have instead of just saying, you know, not to be cliche, but, you know, the bird, you know, the you know, was it the bird in the hand instead of two in the bush type of thing? Uh, hand pun. Yes, hand pun. But um, yeah, uh, cue rim shot. But yeah. um, I mean, but that's the thing is like it, that's that's where I get hesitancy with Preller because the Justin Upton deal is a prime example. Like, yeah, the Ian Kennedy deal from uh from the uh, Cubs where they wanted to give us like Junior Lake and some other scrubs. Yeah, that was a great idea because you got a draft pick for him and that worked out. For the Justin Upton, it didn't because Michael Former is. Pitching like he's a, a, a high first-round draft pick. I don't know when he was drafted, but I'd assume it was high. And you could have had that in your rotation now for six years. 
anchoring down your rotation where you really need starters instead of, you know, I like Hudson Potts, but I'd rather have Michael Fulmer. Yeah. Well, you mentioned anchor and you mentioned missing the boat about five times. Would you prefer that he traded for a Cuban? You really want a Cuban with those boat references. <laughs> what can I say? I can I'm, feel the man of the, I'm the man of the Hispanic people. I can feel it. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, hey. I, I didn't I, mention any rafts or floating refrigerators. I, I would have preferred that they traded hand. Let, don't get me wrong. I yeah. would have preferred it. But at the end of the day. I mean, we're never going to see what was offered. I really wish we could. Like, I really wish we could see what was offered just, just to see. But it is what it is. But do you do you trust Preller's? Do you trust his instincts I, there? I trust his evaluations in prospects in terms of identifying talent in other, in other team systems. Well, and, there you go. He just didn't, he didn't see the... I don't trust his process on trading players because I think he has a tendency to overvalue his players. I loved Justin Upton when he was here. And when the idea is the Padres might approach him about re-signing him... What did I tell you? Even though I was like, we got a tank. I said, I would love to have Justin Upton. I don't think they should do it, but I would be more than happy to have him. Part of me also feels like that could have been a little bit of ownership stepping in, saying, hey, don't trade these guys because we're still right around there and we think that we still have a chance. I hate I hate Ron Fowler. You know it. <laughs> I hate Ron Fowler so much. I wish he would just shut up and go drink his cheap beer. That was, stop that was at 5.5, Dan, Mr. Fowler. I would love some box seats. And I would love a media a media press pass. I would love to tell you how I really feel because that's what a true fan does. Tells well, you how they really feel. I'm not going to kiss your ass, Mr. Fowler. That's your wife's job. At least he hates losing. Yeah, and I get that. And but, that's refreshing. But he a, might go about it the wrong way, but yeah. he hates losing. I get, and I like that. I like that they want to win, but they got to stick with the process. I, I don't know if they're meddling in or not. It does sound like you know, Fowler is saying, oh, you know, we didn't get what we wanted. Why are you even in on this? Like In our reality... Yeah. Unless, you know, Preller has to get, um, uh, you know, pr- uh, approval for, like, budgeting, leave him alone. This is, like, I look at how the Nationals are war- uh, ran, and uh, I don't know what the name of the family that runs the Nationals. I forget their names. But they stay out of it. The only thing that they need to do that Mike Rizzo, the GM of Washington, needs to do is run by them, like, bigger contracts. Like, the Max Scherzer deal, he had to run that by him. Like, hey, right. can I do this? But beyond that... They leave him alone. It's it's full autonomy over there. He just does what he wants and what's best for the team, and they trust him. They need to do that with Preller because I could see them saying, like, oh, yeah, don't trade these guys. Don't trade these guys because they did that before. I feel like they did that at the first deadline when he held off. Yeah, for sure. So it kind of bring down to it, yes, to wrap, to put a bow on Brad Hand, yes, we both wanted him to be traded. I'm okay with them holding on to him just from the pure fact of at least you have something in yeah. the bullpen. Well, maybe they should just sit him the rest of the year so that way he doesn't get hurt and he maintains <laughs> his value. Uh, let's move on. Chassin wasn't traded, which was surprising. That's another one you're pissed off about. I'm not pissed off about it. I'm just like, why is he here? <laughs> well, Chassin, he's had a string, he's put together a string of good starts, he's which is surprising. Solid. Yeah, he's been very solid. You mean to tell me there's not some team out there that's looking for pitching the Orioles traded for Jeremy Hellickson you telling me you can dump Chassin for a lottery ticket out of that uh, out of that barren system well then it comes out international signing money they give it away like it's fucking Tootsie Rolls on Halloween yeah then it comes out that Preller's saying that hey we might want to keep this guy around next year it going forward trading him this year does not block you from signing him in the offseason they traded Rodney last year and then they actually offered him a contract to come back and he went to Arizona it doesn't mean you can't sign him. I hate – you have to act for the future. I, Preller's done such a good job up until, like, this deadline of doing that that it just – it, it re-sours me on him because you're you're thinking about things that don't matter. You can sign Chassis next year. For the people that are out there – because I saw it on Twitter, um, you know, 
justifying keeping Shasin and Richard because they have to eat innings, and you don't want to put stress on these young guys in AAA. Number one, what young guys in AAA? We don't have anybody. <laughs> uh, number two. Kyle Lloyd, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I was not impressed with Kyle Lloyd, and I'm probably not going to be impressed with uh, the other guys, and Michael Kelly and whatever the heck the other guys, Walker Lockett or whatever. But number one, number two. Who cares? You you can go. You got they got Dylan Overton down there. They can bring him up. They can go get guys off the scrap heap to start. They had last year. I think after the deadline, they went outside Enwood Jackson, and they had the oh Edwin Edwin Day. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know these guys exist. You can go out and get guys who get DFA'd or at least if they were worried about innings, go sign Bartolo Colon. Well, he was signed by the Twins. Well, I know, but, but still, I'm saying it's at like the if, time I get if you're if you're worried if you know like hey we, we've got Shasin, we've got Cahill you know these are our two guys I think we can move we've got Hand we could probably move we got to pick up some arms let's just go get guys off the scrap heap we're gonna go pick up Bartolo Colon who just got released we're gonna go pick up the Edwin Jacksons of the world you know guys who who get cut and then need jobs heck. Go pick up Paul Clemens again. He's probably not doing anything. Who cares? What's Eric Johnson up to? Yeah. <laughs> He's probably hurt. <laughs> yeah. So, well, here's here's a thought. Maybe Chassin wasn't traded, and maybe Clayton Richard wasn't traded because their value is zero. I don't think Chassin's value is zero. I think his value is even if you can get international slot money. And like I said, the Orioles give it away. The Orioles are the only team that punts the July 2nd international signing period. They do yeah. not sign anybody out of latin america allegedly even though their best player is latin american yeah um but you know even if you get that just say like yeah just give, just give me some international you know bonus money you can spend that next year on a lottery ticket that's still a prospect it's still something of value that could better your organization in the long run and that's all that matters because chassin yeah great he pitches the rest of the year what do you get out of it nothing you get 200 innings out of a mediocre at best starter that doesn't really attribute to anything it doesn't matter it's 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 superfluous it, it has no purpose on this team yeah and i i richard i get richard had no value i mean zero none none absolutely unless it's you wanted one. to pick him up to to you know bring him out of the pen and even then none yeah but, but Clay I mean, dick's value is flaccid <laughs> absolutely nothing yes limp value for a clay dick yes um but I mean, maybe Shasin moves through waivers too. I mean, I could see that happening. He, oh yeah, he, he could be you know an August thirty first guy. So for sure, not not you know too surprising. But. I I kind of I get excited when when Preller gets a lotto ticket type guy because I I feel like that's his bread and butter. Yeah, right? there's a certain guy we got as a lotto ticket last year in the James Shields trade. Who's that? He's done really. He's done really well. I think I can't remember his name. I can't remember either. I I trust Preller when it comes to nobody's getting a beer. Lot of tickets. Nobody's getting a beer. No, it's it's not going to happen. But Eric is getting something though. What's that? Just a little rum. That's not keto. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. <laughs> but. Yeah, I trust Preller when it comes to lotto tickets. So if if they would have moved him for one, then hey, whatever. But it's like last year, you know, s- sending out uh, Mupton, Melvin Upton Jr. for Hansel Rodriguez. You know, hey, let's see what happens with Hansel Rodriguez. They he's tried. Done, I think he's done fairly well, if I'm not mistaken. As a closer. Yeah. Yeah, because they moved him into a reliever role because he wasn't hacking as a starter. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that. Uh, one of the real early episodes was real prospect have We talked about him being. Uh, Maybe being a reliever, but who cares? You got something that you could possibly use, you know, down the line for nothing for Melvin Upton. Literally nothing. Yeah. Poor Melvin Upton. I feel so bad for him. He did so well here. <laughs> he did. Hey, remember that walk-off he hit off of uh, Andrew Miller? Yes, I remember well. I remember the home run he robbed out in center field. Yeah. Yeah. So with the uh, – also with the trade deadline, the 
player that was not moved and not really too surprising because he was coming off an injury, but he's now at shortstop. Jan Hervis Salarte. What do you think about them playing him at short? I saw on Twitter, I don't know who said it, but uh, well done. When a guy's nickname is Slolarte, he doesn't belong at short. <laughs> no. No. Not, not at all. And I get why they're doing it. I, can't, I, I get it. They don't have anybody. I don't know why they, I, I, and I, they don't want to put Cordoba out there full time. Why not? I don't know. I don't know why they just don't bring Darno back up. I don't know. Or well, that kind of that kind of goes into what um, Gennaro was saying on the "Make the Padres Great Again" about how the Padres move all these guys to different positions. I can smell that rum, by the way. It's amazing. <laughs> they move them all to all these different positions that they're not used to. And putting, I mean, Salarte's not a guy. I don't think he's, he's developing anymore. But what the hell is he doing at short? I don't know. He's just They're just throwing a body over this. They did the same thing with Jed Jerko, even though Jerko all of a sudden went to the Cardinals, and now he's good everywhere they put him. But yeah, <laughs> God, that one hurts so bad. So bad. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I get what they're doing because they're just trying to fill bodies. I don't know why they do it. I'd rather have, like, Spangenberg or a Swahe try or, you know, it's, sick Frenchy Cordero over there. He's playing, yeah, he's right? playing short. I don't know. I don't know why they do it. I, just give uh, Dusty Coleman an opportunity to play every day. What do you have to lose? Nothing. He's he's come out pretty pretty good. Yeah, he's come out hot out of the he's, gates. He's probably a 4A type or up and down type of guy, but oh, just yeah. let him run out there and play every day. What do you have to lose? There's nothing to lose. Yeah, he's 30 for all of you out there saying, hey, let's let's uh Let's, let's let these in. young guys play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's he's 30 years yeah, old, guys. I'm 31, guys. Let's just throw that out there. I'm 31. Uh, he probably made less money than I did before becoming a minor league free agent. <laughs> yeah, so Dusty, but at, at, in the same breath, Dusty Coleman and Cordoba, Throw them out there every game. Yeah, I agree. Just, Solarte you know, has no business being at shortstop. I think they're just trying to find a spot to play Solarte every day, and there's third nowhere. base. Well, yeah, but Spangenberg's been hitting well. They're not going to move him to second because Aswahi's been hitting well. Oh, Jesus! But I, I think they're just trying to get him out there in hopes that somebody will pick him up on off of waivers. I can still see him getting moved in August. So you're going to tell me you would rather have no Solarte at short no. than Spangenberg? No, no. I just said I'd rather have Aswahi or Spangenberg over there. But I know why they're doing it. I just don't. I don't agree with it, but I understand why they're doing it. I don't know. I don't know, man. But yeah, I mean that's so that's uh, that's pretty much the deadline. Yates didn't get traded. That's not, not surprised. Yeah, not too much of a of a surprise there. But they'll just hang on to him next year at his peak value and just you know let his value decline. Will Myers did not get traded. I'm stunned. This yeah. 105 weighted runs created plus scored. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and and this is ever since. Uh, Ever since we started coming out and uh, defending him, man, he's... Uh, he's not doing us any favors. No. Come on. Man. You know what it is? I know what it is. And this is a touchy subject for everybody, but I know what it is. He needs to shave his head. What? He needs to shave his head. Why do you say that? Because every time he takes his damn helmet off, and he may, and it's always when he makes it out. He takes his helmet off. The first thing he does is he goes up there and reaches for his hair like he's making sure it's still there. We all <laughs> saw the mop at the top of his head when he signed the contract. It's time to let it go, Will. He needs to pull a Clayton Richard? Yes, he needs to pull a Clayton Richard. Pull the old Danny Ortiz, pull out the Clippers, take the guard off, shave it all off, baby, and then watch the home run start to fly. That's my theory. Maybe he my should, scouting report. Maybe he should go the Margot route and just pop out a kid. <laughs> yeah. Margot's been on fire since coming back from paternity leave. Yeah, indeed he has. Actually, uh, we were talking about uh, – well, actually, we'll touch on that a little bit later in Twitter questions. But, yeah, uh, Manny Margot's been excellent since being a dad, but – yeah, man, ever since we stood up for Will Myers, he's just been tank He's not obscenely tanking, uh, but he has not been doing that well. He even caught the uh, 
caught the eye of good old Hacksaw Lee Hamilton on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you I guys, didn't know Ham- I didn't know Hacksaw had a Twitter. That's amazing. Yeah, me. you guys can go check that poll that he puts out. Don't follow him on Twitter. He's just a shit ton of polls, and just just don't do it. React to me. Yeah, just, <laughs> please. Just don't do it. Don't do it. So, oh man, they should put him on the pregame show. Him and Herrera. I, the hack and Herrera. You know what? I, I haven't really been tuning in all too much to 94.9, but I feel like Higgins is taking over. There, Ben Higgins is doing a lot of it. Is and it? I haven't heard a lot of Herrera at all. Well, didn't Ben Higgins come out on Twitter and say, I'll be doing the pregame show going forward and we'll have more news about that later? Did they ever release that more news? I don't know. They're just pretending it's going away. I mean, I haven't been following it that closely, but I feel like I haven't heard from Herrera a lot at Somebody all. Somebody get maybe, Detective Jagoff on the case. Maybe I just completely <laughs> missed it. Maybe we're just both the to it but yeah i have heard nothing yeah nothing from herrera and that padres unplugged pro- uh, podcast that he was doing you heard about that right yeah Where so they he went, went on there and made a bunch of excuses about his grandmother making tortillas watching uh louis tiant or whoever it was on the giants what's that oh juan marshall excuse yeah, me juan marshall. those guys the big leg kicks <laughs> yeah so he would bring all these different guys from different podcasts padre podcasts and by the way we haven't got our uh yeah where's our invite <laughs> shocker shocker not that we would do it anyways, but... Um, well, I'd do it if they pay me, single dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's not happening. i got to probably have to buy a beer at some point in this episode. Yeah, that's not happening. I'm surprised you made it this far, by the way. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, with with Twitter, we'll, we'll touch on Twitter. You think you want to get into this uh, Twitter, Twitter? Yeah, let's go on these Twitter questions. Go right ahead. Do you have it pulled up? Okay, yeah. So, right. Danny and I, we, we love interacting on Twitter. More so me. Because Danny doesn't do a whole lot on Twitter, as you guys notice, at 5.5. I actually posted a little bit this week. I was, uh, I was stunned. I was stunned. I posted about Kyle Lloyd in the last week. posted the trade deadline. Uh, I, I put some comments on there. Yeah, I've been a little bit more active. <laughs> yeah, I'm more I'm more the, I'm more the, the Twitter guy. So I, I love interacting on Twitter. It's my favorite thing. And honestly, I mean, my, my, my favorite thing, I, I don't know about you, I love when just out of the blue, and this is so weird for me still, just out of the blue when people, I get a random tweet when I wake up and says, hey, listen to the podcast. It was awesome. Or they're like, hey, uh, Danny's full of shit. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> tells you that. <laughs> you know, just like hearing that stuff. It's cool. And I like it. And so so that's why I put on there, hey, topics, shout outs. If you want to blast someone for an awful take, just let us know. Uh, and we'll we'll see what we got here. So we have... Uh, we have quite quite a few here. The first guy to to um, chime in here is uh, our pal Stephen Woods. He says, "Do your own show prep. Do your own show prep." So first of all, let's let's touch on this a little bit. Is there a more? Isn't his handle utility radio show host? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's uh, he's he's a jack of all trades for him now. But can we can we talk about? Let me just put it out there, Woods. I've got quite a few knocks on you. My batting average against you. Is a hell of a lot better than Labuse because I can sit on the changeup. Yeah, that's true. So, is there a luckier guy in San Diego than Woods? So this week he got engaged. To Congrats! Hannah I didn't even know that he got engaged. To and who? also Hannah Nancaro, Lauren's daughter. Lauren, yeah, Lauren's daughter. Wow. He was dating her when we were playing ball. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Shows how much you pay attention. No, I I didn't know that he was dating. The thing I remember about Woods when he was dating or when he we were playing against him is at some point after a game we were all talking and he talks like. They said something about the best-looking broadcasters in San Diego, and he wasn't on. He's like, all I know is I take my old lady over that guy's any day. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to mention who this old lady he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so he has that. And also, by the way, oh, congrats. they congrats. announced he's going to be a dad. Wow. And it's going to be a boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lucky. Like, you got all that, and then the Yankees making moves. So Woods eats shit. 
Yeah. First of all. Yeah, you got it going on, buddy. <laughs> Take a break. Yeah. Yeah. Eat shit. Take a break. Okay. So yeah, do your own show. Prep. Go back to trolling Herrera. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the input. Um, also, let's take a look next here. We have um, Andy Mazone at 13 Mazone. I think he, he's our biggest fan. He asks, he I says. I got the tower out there in Mexico for him to listen. He says, does 5.5 Dan have a plus one for miserable SD fans wedding? If not, I put out. Oh. Do, do you? I don't know if you have a plus one or not. I didn't think I, you uh, needed one. I, uh, I'll be I'll be completely upfront. I have a preference for white girls. So I'm sorry, Andy. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to politely decline. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's a no, Andy. You're you're not coming to the wedding. Um, and then how about this next one here um, from Jesse Fritz at SD Fritz? So he has as I'm scrolling down here, and I'm I'll be full disclosure. I'm scrolling through on my um, on my laptop, and for whatever reason, I'm not logged in, so I can't see. We'll get back to Fritz's. So um, at uh, Jake Tram- Jake Tremblay at Jake Lobito, he says, at least you didn't have to wait an hour to do a hot take on a trade. <laughs> so if you guys remember from last week's episode, I was saying, hey, you know what? Since I'm so off the cuff all the time, I'm not saying shit for at least an hour after any trade. So, yeah, I mean, that's... Could you imagine how much I would go off at that uh, hand trade? I don't even want to imagine because you'd have just come stomping by my desk and distracted me again. Yeah. So I have I have Jesse Fritz at SD Fritz. He says I'd like to blast everyone for calling Green soft. Uh, he said, "Dude, just managed a winning month of July with the garbage heap of a roster." What do you have to say about that? Uh, I have to say that yeah, a manager can very much lose a game, but his impact overall is not uh, is not too significant. And that uh, Andy Green and being soft and then winning are not uh, all connected there. I don't see what that has to do with the team fluking wins out in the middle of July. You don't think that this is them having his back for him getting punked? No. By Roberts? No. Who? How does that even work? That's like our boss prep. You know, we work in an environment where a lot of what we do to succeed, quote unquote, uh, is out of our control. So that'd be like our boss going out there and saying, hey, guys your manager or the 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 other company they ran all over me go out there and get them and then all of a sudden we do things that we're typically not capable of because we were pumped up to back up our boss it makes no sense why do they make things up for baseball i don't understand i've never gotten it they make things up it doesn't nobody does that it they just happen to fluke their way it has nothing to do with what andy green's doing i think it can be attributed to the the young kids kind of hitting the stride margot been tearing it up Chassin, he's been throwing well. I mean, Chassin's not young, but he's been no. throwing well. You know, they're they're hitting a patch. It's 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 like a lot of people say. Like, I mean, Aswahe and Spangenberg have been contributing a lot better than what they had at the beginning of the year. Well, it's it's like the saying goes: there's 162 games. You win 50, you lose 50, and it's what you do at the other 62. We've just hit part of that 50 that they're going to never seen that statistically win. proven. That <laughs> how many teams only win 50 games though? I don't and know. How many I wish teams the Padres would win only games. 50 games as to get their heads out of their asses. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it is part of the, you know the young guys developing and, and things like that, but. The reality is this team is not very good. They strike out a lot. They're very reliable on the home run. They don't get on base. They're one of the worst offenses in the league. They have some of the worst pitching in the league. Their bullpen's depleted. They just happen to fluke their way through a solid month. I would not expect this to change. At all. I mean, I would not expect this to be the norm. I think they're going to go right back to normal in August. 
Yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll go back to um, Andy Mazzone. And if you guys are sweating like a government mule right now, by the way, if you guys are sick of hearing tweets from at thirteen Mazzone, maybe you guys should fucking tweet us. <laughs> so at thirteen Mazzone, who is the Padres MVP so far? First of all, I'll answer that. Who fucking cares? <laughs> <laughs> They are dog shit. They're awful. Who's who's the cream of the crap this year for you? You know, I, I mentioned Margot off air, but really, they don't have a most valuable player. Brad Hand? Uh, I can't give MVP to a guy who comes in and throws an inning and a third every time out. Yeah, he strikes a ton of guys out, but, oh, my gosh, I don't know who their MVP is. That's a damn good question. Ron Fowler? <laughs> <laughs> no. Most valuable penguin, Ron Fowler. Yeah, so... Um, I, you have to pick one, because there has to be at least one. There's got to be somebody on there that's just been great the whole year. I, 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 I don't know. I don't have a Padres MVP. It's just gonna, it's a blank ballot. I mean, if I had to choose, my favorite player to watch this year has been Manny Margot. So I'm gonna say Manuel Margot, only because there's literally nobody else having a stellar. He's having a good year, but he's not. You know, he's not having a great year. He's kind of lost in the shuffle with all these other rookies killing it, but. I think he's the best player on their team right now. I think I'm going Brad Hand because he has a higher war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they don't have an MVP, man. They 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 don't. They're That's, awful. Yeah. So my favorite one, or actually it's it's a tie between these next two, is um, this guy's hilarious. By the way, it's uh, the Big Mick. It's at the Mickian. He says shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Will Myers Swing. We miss you, and whatever we did to make you leave, we'll work on it. Just come back. <laughs> you read that to me off the air. It's still hilarious. Just come back, please. And, and we kind of talked about Myers earlier. And God, you know, I, I still, I'm, I firmly believe that he's going to hit a really, really hot streak, and everything's going to be fine in the world. I have. He's going to look- have like two weeks to hopefully a month where he just goes off, and I, his overall numbers look good because of it. I have to look up his numbers to figure out why, as I. Uh, Remove a layer of clothing here in America's Finest Digital as we are in the sauna version of the studio. That's pretty hot in here. It's yes. been muggy. Yeah, you're uh, you're you're sweating a lot. I smell bacon grease coming out of your follicles. Yeah, I got the Rod Beck uh, <laughs> yeah. Sweat, yeah. sweat pool going on. Oh, man. Yeah, it's real hot in here. But, uh, yeah, I hope Myers turns around. If he does, I'm not really worried about it. I don't really care. I'll be honest with you. I'm so checked out of the Padres. I know what's going on because I follow, you know, everything on t- – I do follow things on Twitter. So – um, shout out to I think it was Project Perspectives who changed their uh, Twitter logo. Yeah, the way back ones. Yeah, I love it. Keep it. Don't change it. Don't change it. Just keep it. I love the brown and or the blue and orange. My favorite. Keep yeah. it there. Absolute Just favorite. Absolute favorite. Yeah. yeah, and and they gave us a shout out. They were uh, I think they're on a road trip somewhere and they were uh, listening to our show, Padres Perspectives. And there was also Mad Friars John Conniff who checked in. Um, he had a road trip and he tuned he. Uh, fired up the show so whose wife do I have to take to dinner to get Conniff on the show (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know let's let's figure that out yeah yeah. so let's go forward here Uh, there's there's one more here and this this might actually be my favorite also this is uh, Patrick Morgan at Uncle Pimo he says 5.5 Dan's Espinosa take was as shitty as he is round oh yeah I got the uh, the old fat joke uh, <laughs> you know you know the thing too is that uh, and Patrick is a co-worker of ours he's also a diehard Padre fan uh, which is why we get along so well he's also a uh, cynic <laughs> yeah and a, a, with a black heart but you know what what a cowardly act because he said that and as soon and he walked by me with this shit eating grin on his face at work when he said that and I didn't know why and then I looked on Twitter, and as soon as I looked up and turned, 
He's not at his desk. Coward. <laughs> yeah. Coward. Yeah, all you hear is me from like three desk away. God, he yeah. yeah, yeah, I heard that. I'm like, damn it, Eric saw that tweet. Patrick fled quicker than his hairline. Yeah, yeah, he certainly did. So Son of a bitch. Yeah, so hey, uh, we, we appreciate you guys checking in on the... Uh, on, on the Twitter sphere there because we love interacting. It's That's the one cool thing about the show is the guys who kind of check in and obviously the other shows that are going on like the, you know, the Gwintelligence, East Village Times, Padres Perspectives, um, all these guys kind of interacting. It is, like they say, the golden age of Padres podcast. It's, it's really cool. They have like this little community that we just kind of fell in. Yeah, it's 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 rad, dude. And, and it's, it's cool talking to people who you never would have talked to otherwise. So that's kind of the... The cool thing about Twitter, so check in with us. I mean, we we love interacting, especially me at Miserable SD Fan. I love talking shit, and I love talking about the Padres. So check in with us there. Also, it's kind of I don't know if anyone knows about how like the stats work on on the um uh, like on on the RSS feed. So it's saying that we have like a consistent listener in Israel. Every single episode, there's you know a listener in Israel. You know what it is? Jesus is listening. <laughs> Jesus Guzman? No, no. Actual Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus is tuning in. Jesus Abdullah. Wow. Um, well, I don't know what his name is. Jesus yeah, well, thank Nazareth. you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and if anyone's listening in some crazy place. I knew all that catechism and uh, Catholic schooling would pay off. Yeah. Finally. Yeah, there's like, there's like uh, what, like China, there's Tokyo, and what what I'm hoping it is is people in the military checking in. and You, you know, know what? If it's China, we might be able to get knockoff 5.5 jerseys on the cheap. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. So I, I, I think that's about it. Dude, I'm, I'm literally sweating like a whore in church. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying, and I don't even sweat that much. It is hot as hell in here. Yeah, it is. So um, I, I think we're going to get out of here. We'll, we'll check in next week. Um, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at MiserableSDFan. Danny's at? 5.5 Dan. Yeah, that'll do it for this week. We each got through this episode without mentioning... He who shall not be named because I don't have money to buy you beer. Yeah, that's shortstop down in Fort Wayne. Yeah. So uh, we'll check in next Can I week. Say it in pig Latin? <laughs> yeah, no, we'll check in next week. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you guys a beer here eventually. Uh, we'll check in next week, guys. We're out of here. Thank you.